All right, everybody, welcome to episode 150 of the Fantasy Timeline, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network. I'm Josh at Real Fantasy TL. I am with the co-host with the most, Drew at DR underscore PRA. Drew, how you doing, man? I'm tired, but I'm good. I'm excited to do this tonight. Uh, I feel the same exact way. And before we get into all the festivities, 150 episodes, we didn't plan anything special because it is what it is. But uh, I want to thank, you know, kind of everybody involved with this because, you know, it started with Bill and I. At Super Dupa Flex, in case you don't know, but you should by now. We did this thing for a little bit, and then Russ Fisher, the Dynasty Outhouse, reached out and said, "Hey, I'm starting a network. I want you guys to be a part of it." Uh, it was it was surreal getting a DM from somebody that I admired so much. So, you know, we said yes. We've been on the DAP Network. I don't even know how many episodes now. I think it's been like 120-something episodes on the DAP Network. And, you know, and obviously, you know, I want to thank you. You've been along now for, has it been a year? It feels like it's been a year. Yeah, it's been about a year because I think Yumi and Bill did most of last season together. Yeah. So... I, uh, you know, definitely want to thank you because, I mean, without you and Bill, honestly, this show is just me yelling at clouds. And that could probably be somewhat entertaining, but I don't think it would have made 150 episodes of entertaining. <laughs> so, uh, you know. I, I want to thank you. I want to thank Bill. I want to thank Russ, everyone at the DAP Network, because they've all been on here. Rocky, yep. Scott, Andrew, Justin, Casey. I mean, we've had we've had everybody, you know. Bobby. Bobby. We've had everybody, man. And and they're all great, but you know, last but not least, I want to thank every single person who has ever listened tuned in to youtube downloaded us off of a podcast directory honestly um you guys are what make this so cool getting those getting those questions in the chat each and every week is just so much fun because it's like all right didn't have time to prep for this <laughs> let's see where it goes and it always goes somewhere fun so um that's my little speech, uh, and now we can uh, now we can get to the real show. Um, let, let's hit this with the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, Drew, since people just heard a lot of my voice for the last minute and a half, why don't you start us off with your good man? Yeah. Uh... I'm uh, going to have a theme here of going through teams for mine. So I'm going to start with the remaining undefeated team in the league, your hometown 
NFC East rivals, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Last last team standing, uh, saw a pretty cool graphic of a couple of your your guys in the secondary here with uh, you know the, some strong defensive numbers, lowest passer rating when thrown at. Um, I think it's pretty low points scored. I forget what it was. Uh, the secondary stat was there, but uh, pretty cool to see. You know, you hear the old adage that defense wins championships, and it seems like that's uh, a meaningful part of their team right now even as they're still figuring out a little bit of, uh, you know, how their offense runs. And it was interesting to see them win a different way this week without Jalen Hurst just absolutely balling out and being a fantasy stud. Um, but yeah, something to be said about being the last 4-0 team there. Yeah, and it, it's funny because obviously I live in this area, even though I'm not a, uh, not a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And Someone brought up the fact that, um, you know, the Eagles are 4-0. And I said, you know, NFC East, best division in football. We got a 4-0 team. We got two 3-1 teams. The Manders are there, too. You know, so, somebody's always got to try to bring bring us down. But, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of funny. It, you know, I, I say it joking around because, I mean, I think the Eagles are legit, you know, the the Giants have uh, they've used the schedule to their advantage. Let's just say, uh, you know, they kind of took um, Tennessee by surprise week one. Then they play the Panthers, who, as we're starting to see throughout this season, I don't think are a very good team. Um, they lose to the Cowboys, and then they take care of the Bears last week, who, which again, <laughs> I don't think is a very good team. But hey, I think Brian Dayball, you know, I, I don't want to uh I don't want to slam Bobby's favorite team after I spoke so highly of him earlier. Um Brian Dayball is doing some good things there. Like they're winning games with Richie James and Crosby, Sills, and Nash, and you know, whoever else is there, you know, uh Wandell, who I think is their best receiver on the roster right now, hasn't played because of an injury or played very little in week one. Uh, Kadarius Toney, uh, you know my feelings about him, but he's probably their second best receiver, and he hasn't played a whole lot. So to win with guys like that and, and the Daniel Bellingers of the world, obviously Saquon is a huge reason. I mean, Saquon looks like Saquon of old. and. Yeah, health is a part of that, but I also think part of that is coaching and an offensive scheme and understanding what you have. Um, so I think while they may not be um, a talent-rich team right now, I think they got a good coach in place, you know, former uh, former Buffalo Bill offensive coordinator. I'll, I'll get that shout-out in there for you, Drew. Um, I, th I think he's making some good strides with that team. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, – the Eagles keep coming together like they are. Uh, the Cowboys defense keeps playing at an elite level. And um, the the Giants make some moves that the NFC East could be kind of one of those divisions where, you know, you got a few good teams. They're all going to kind of beat each other up. And, you know, whoever comes out of it alive is uh, is going to be a headache in the playoffs. So I like that one as you're, as you're good for this week. I 
chose Jared Goff. Not going to lie, not a name I thought I would say in 2022 in the good category. But, I mean, honestly, it kind of should be like in the great category if we had one of those. I mean, last week alone, he goes uh, 26 for 39, 378 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. I don't know if you've looked at the show sheet. You probably have. But do you know what, where he is right now in fantasy on the season for quarterbacks? You're, you're muted. My bad. Uh, after that game, oh, yep. My guess was top three before I saw the show sheet. Okay. So QB5. It, yeah. it, if I would have told you before the season started, Drew, I'll make you a bet that at some point in the season, Jared Goff will be QB5. You probably would have taken that bet. You probably would have been like, Jared Goff is Jared Goff. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. That's what he's going to be the entire season, a middle. And who knows? By the time Week 17 ends, we might be sitting on here talking, oh, remember when Jared Goff was QB5? He ended QB17. But I don't think he is. I don't think he stays QB5. But that offense has been gunning. And he and yeah. by the way, Jared Goff did this last week with no Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. No DeAndre Swift. Like, you know, the Josh yep. Reynolds. Shark was out. Yeah, Chark with the Josh Reynolds of the world were were peeking their head. I mean, obviously it was a massive dose of TJ Hawkinson for you. But I mean, Jared Goff, man, that that that's that's my good from uh, from yeah. He's a he's a guy. If we go back a, a couple of months, I think when Bill was on here, we we're getting into the hard knocks uh, weeks, and uh, I think Bill was talking about trying to maybe sneak a couple trades in for Goff earlier before they got things rolling, based on some of what he saw and what uh, you know he's hearing from um, some of the Detroit folks there. So if if you're able to do that, if you listened a couple months ago and you maybe followed Bill's lead there, hopefully he came out in a pretty good spot here. Because chances are you made a, a pretty sweet deal to get him at this point, and then who knows what you could do with him now? Maybe you could even trade him away again and uh, and get some better value back or something that you feel like is going to be more consistent. But uh, for the first few weeks, anyways, right? The Lions are just putting up points like it's nobody's business. They are, from what I can tell, they're the highest scoring team. And they're also allowing the most points. So what a this is a, a beautiful, beautiful combination. I feel like this is like the Falcons and the NFC South of five, six, seven years ago. Um, where that division just really didn't play much defense at all, and you knew that everything was going to be a, a shootout. So Detroit looks good, um, and it's really crazy to see where even Seattle and that offense and is how impotent they've seemed so far this year and what kind of a game that turned out to be. But, um, yeah, Goff at this point, if you got him early, good for you. Yeah, and, um, I mean, I, I, I honestly can't believe it, but you know what? While I sit here in awe of Jared Goff, why don't you tell us what your bad was from week four? Yeah, you kind of touched on it already. Uh, the Bears here, you know, we talked about Justin Fields last week and this organization just continuing to suck it up this year. Um, but even worse, losing to uh, the Giants only had two active quarterbacks, I think, this week, and both of them went down. 
and uh, you have Saquon playing out of uh, the Wildcat for what was the last couple of drives yeah. here, and uh, still, still winning it. And you know, I think some of that does speak to the the go for it mentality that Dable's brought. I think week one, right? There was an opportunity where maybe he could have gone for a field goal, but instead they went, or they could have gone for the extra point, but they went for two. Two. So pl- playing to win, right? Um, so that mentality is definitely shining through. But uh, come on, Bears. <laughs> Listen, the it, it's actually comedic that they're two and two. I mean, they they beat the 49ers in in the monsoon game week one. You know they. They get stomped by Green Bay. Can't even remember who their other win was against now. But nope. I mean, that that's what they are. They're forgettable. It's just you, you see a Justin Fields, and you know, for like thirty seconds, I I just want to make this comparison. We saw we saw two quarterbacks from last year's draft massively struggle in their rookie season. Trevor Lawrence and, and Justin Fields both get new head coaches. Uh, Jacksonville keeps their their GM, even though it's not really sure how much power he really has. Uh, Chicago gets a, a whole new GM. And what does Jacksonville do? Jacksonville goes out. They spent a ton of money to get Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. They get um, uh, the dude from Washington on the offensive line. I'm blanking on his name right now. But they get offensive line help. You know, they draft two studs on defense in the first round of the draft. And they really make a concerted effort not only to help Trevor Lawrence on the offensive side of the ball, but they, you know, they do get them some defensive help. What does Chicago do? Chicago, they they don't really make any big waves in free agency. They really go kind of defense heavy with the premium picks that they had in this year's draft. And they're they're leaving Justin Fields out to dry. It's kind of a shame, but um that was probably longer than 30 seconds, so my apologies. But I, I just wanted to make that kind of connection because I don't know why. Uh, this team does not like uh, does not like Justin Fields, uh, but it is what it is. All right, my bad for this week. I'm keeping with with uh, my quarterback theme. Marcus Mariota, seven for nineteen, 139 yards. But don't worry, he ran the ball five times. You think that's got to be good, right? He runs it five times. What does that get you? 20, 25 yards. He ran it five times. He gained three yards. But here's the kicker. His longest run was eight yards. So the other four rushes netted negative five yards. Put that into context. And that wasn't because he was in victory formation at the end of the the day. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't even know if Atlanta has that play in their playbook. Let, let's be honest. I don't even think they have the kneel down to end the game. More like Marcus Scariotti. Damn right, Dynasty Scissor. 
it is more like Marcus Scariota. Um, they, Atlanta, Atlanta's a bad team, man. Uh, I'm going to go on like a 15-second rant, and I am going to keep it at 15 seconds. They figured out how to use Drake London and have not figured out how to use Kyle Pitts. I don't even know how that's humanly possible. They knew how to do it last year. They get one receiving weapon, and then they forget. All right, go ahead. Um, do what do what you got to do, Atlanta. But uh, all right, Drew. Let me throw let me throw it back to you for the ugly here. Who was your ugly from week four? Uh, we've covered this team before, I think, already in this short short four weeks. Um, the Rams Monday Night Football three field goals is all they could muster. Um, it was uh, it was pretty painful to watch uh, them and. Uh, you know, I think Stafford threw one touchdown and it happened to be to San Francisco. Otherwise, his his stat sheet was pretty empty. Um, couldn't get the ball moving, uh, running. You know, Cup did Cooper Cup things, uh, but there's only so much that Cooper Cup can do. Kept him out of the end zone this week. You know, A-Rob had a shot in the end zone and couldn't get it, get that connection. So, um yeah, it's just uh, it's not coming together at this point, whether it's that Super Bowl hangover or whatever it is here. Uh, but to see Jimmy G, and he had a couple of, uh, you know, bonehead moves there during the game and still, you know, their defense bailed them out of it. And ultimately, Jimmy G didn't lose the game, uh, which is all they needed him to do. Jeff Wilson had a good game. And, uh, you know, Debo, Debo is that dude. Um, but, yeah, would have expected more out of the, the defending Super Bowl champs. Yeah, and this will be interesting to watch throughout the season because if they continue to play like they are for the rest of the season, it, it's going to have to be one of the biggest kind of falls from graces in the period of a year. Going from Super Bowl champs, you know, they, they did have their their ups and downs last year. It wasn't all, you know, dominant play and, you know, obviously they, they put it together in the playoffs, but I mean, this team doesn't even remotely remember the team that we watched play last year. I mean, even in games where they didn't look great, they were scoring points, and they're just not scoring points. And we thought, all right, you know, Allen Robinson got paid a big amount of money. They're going to use him a lot. And now it's the Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby show. I heard a stat, and I, I haven't uh, checked this, so it could be – slightly wrong that Tyler Higby has the most targets at the tight end position this year. No offense. You have Cooper cup who gets a million targets. So that's, you know, that's just a given, but you sign Allen Robinson and pay him. I think he's getting paid like 30 or 40 million guaranteed. And he's your, third option and the person who's ahead of him uh, uh, um, is yeah is Tyler Higby yep a Rob's on a 42 million dollar contract with almost 31 guaranteed Tyler Higby has 38 targets to Mark Andrews 36 to Tyler Kelsey's 34 so I mean I don't get it I understand the running game is kind of a shambles right now but how how Tyler Higby is getting more targets than Allen Robinson, <clears throat> and unfortunately, um, 
I did watch some of that game, but I, I, I'm not going to lie. I went to sleep early. It did not look like it was going to be uh, an exciting game. So I, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Allen Robinson is just done. But if he is, man, you just paid that guy over $30 million guaranteed just to find out he's done. Yep. <sighs> and right. Kyle, Kyle Pitts sitting here at 22, number 11 behind David Njoku at number 10. Darren Waller at number nine, Gerald Everett, former Los Angeles Ram, and number eight, Tyler Conklin, and number seven, and then the list goes on. Wow. Man, tight end is a crazy position. You hear you hear just about everybody in the community say, go get you some, get you a, get you one of the elite guys early so you don't regret it and this is the reason why because unless yep. you strike it you know unless you strike you know your Ger- gerald everett's and your tyler conklin so you know i have heard people throughout the offseason say hey you know use a pick on this guy you know you don't have to use a crazy pick but you know and see what happens you know or you could get sucked into like i did in, in a few leagues into the cole Komet height and cole you probably can't even find cole Komet on that sheet so i'm not going to make you look for him but um all right, let me hit let me hit it with my ugly here. Um Julio Jones. He was back. We were like, all right, Julio. We saw Julio in that first game against the Cowboys. Oof. He was looking good, man. He was looking like the Julio of old. And then, you know, the usual Julio stuff happens, but now he's back with Tom Brady and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Okay, all those guys are out there. They can't, they can't key in, key in on Julio. He'll be fine. You know, what are you thinking? Maybe four for 48 and a touchdown, something like that, just to make you happy. More reception for seven yards. That, that, uh, that's all I have to say. I, I'm not going to break it down. It was one reception for seven yards. That, that's ugly. <laughs> that is ugly. No matter how you break it down, that is ugly. So that's the good, the bad, and the ugly for week four. And now the main event, what we love the most, what we do the best. This is what we saw on the timeline. All right, this first one here is from Tommy Blair at FF Tommy B. What are some of the big bets you're making with your teams on a midseason bump in value or production? Um, I'll go first here. Uh, I wrote down the Jags' number two receiver. I cheated a little bit, but Zay Jones played the first three weeks of the season. And his stat line from those three weeks, 19 receptions, 173 yards, and a touchdown. That's pretty good for a number two receiver. I mean, you're talking about six receptions and just about 60 yards a game. That's not too bad. <laughs> it's not too bad for for a, you know, especially in a PPR league, that's 12 points average a week. It's not too bad. And I'm talking about he's a wide receiver, too, on his own team. And then last week we saw. Zay Jones was hurt. Jamal Agnew stepped into that role. 
And on the season, Jamal Agnew is six receptions for 73 yards and two touchdowns. Now, both touchdowns occurred when he got that Zay Jones roll uh, against the Eagles. Uh, we, we talked about the Eagles a little bit earlier. So if you put those guys together, that's 27 receptions, 246 yards, and two, or excuse me, and three touchdowns. That's pretty good coming out of that wide receiver two position for Jacksonville. So, and I think, and I think a lot of people aren't talking about Zay Jones. You know, I feel like Zay Jones is still kind of thought about as Zay Jones from like the beginning of last year, where he wasn't really doing anything. But if you kind of look at the last three or four weeks of the season last year when he was with uh, Las Vegas and what he's done so far this season. You could do a lot worse at, you know, your wide receiver three or your, you know, your flex play there. Um, and if Zay Jones is hurt for any period of time, I mean, Jamal Agnew against a very good defense has shown that he, he can kind of get some things done himself. So um, that's, kind of, that's kind of who I would bet on, you know, as we we're talking, you know, midseason about guys that we may want to go out and get to you know, bolster a contender that maybe we don't have to pay as much for as, you know, some of the other more obvious names, you know, your Stephon Diggs, your Devontae Adams, players like that, where it's obvious that they're going to be big time producers, but it's also obvious that you're going to have to pay up a lot if you want to get them on your team. Uh, Drew, did you have one for, for this one? Yeah, I'm looking through a couple lists here, and uh, I like that call on the wide receiver side of things. Uh, we mentioned him already, Gerald Everett. Um, I'm curious what it would take for people to get him still. I think a lot of folks that have him are probably wanting to get out while the getting is relatively good. Um, I think some people might be expecting that bottom to fall out or that other shoe to drop at any point. But talking about a guy that's tied to, you know, arguably – top three quarterback in the league at this point and a team that has Keenan Allen in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, we know what Mike Williams is typically season to season for playing time and getting dinged up here and there. Uh, it was great to see Austin Eckler turn it on the last week or two, but um, in that division, you know, you're always going to be looking for points in those games. So uh, looking at the tight end position, especially if you play, you know, maybe if you're in a premium, it's a little bit harder, but, um, he's definitely a, a guy similarly with, uh, Tyler Conklin. I'm curious to see where that goes. I think some folks are wondering, was that just a Joe Flacco thing or is Zach Wilson really going to support that? But, uh, out of those two, um, I don't know. They have to pay a, a, a lot more to get to Gerald Everett. Um, and then as far as, uh, I'm looking at kind of down the running back list here and, uh, you know, we've talked about. Nick Chubb is, uh, last week we went, went a little deep dive into running backs, but you know, Kareem Hunt's still around, and his average points per game in PPR league is still double digits. And, you know, while Nick Chubb is still dominating and, and scoring the touchdowns, uh, you know, Chubb, uh, I'm sorry, Hunt is that guy that's still aging. Um, you know, maybe you're able to get him a little bit cheaper to, to add some depth. If you were, uh, you know, a DeAndre Swift team, a Jonathan Taylor team, maybe you missed out on Mike Boone on waivers this week or a couple other guys that maybe you felt like you should have been able to get cheaper. Um, so he's, he's the guy I come back to every season wondering, um, what it takes, uh, to get him. Uh, I like that one. And it's funny. So what does it cost you to get, um, Gerald Everett? Probably before the season, you could have got him for 
a ham sandwich. Now you probably have to put a fancy piece of lettuce on that sandwich, uh, a little bit of mayonnaise, maybe throwing a bag of chips on the side. I still don't think Gerald Everett is going to be expensive because, you know, everyone is going to is waiting for the bottom to drop out on Gerald Everett. He's really never had a run like this before. Um, and we're, you know, people are probably saying, well, what happens when Keenan Allen comes back? What happens when they finally figure out that Austin Eckler should be a little bit more involved in the passing game? You know, this is all going to come out of Gerald Everett. But I mean, even if you, if you look at that, that Chiefs game a couple weeks ago, the reason why the Chargers lost that game is because Gerald Everett was trying to get himself pulled out of that game because he was just gassed. He needed, he needed, you know, a couple minutes to breathe on the sideline and they kept him on the field and then they threw to him. And obviously he couldn't run the complete route. The ball gets picked. It's a pick six. It goes back, but that's how much they want to keep him involved. <laughs> a guy who was literally begging to get off the field because he was gassed. They told him no, and then threw to him. I mean, that's crazy. And I, I think even when Keenan Allen comes back and, you know, you can talk about Austin Eckler, I just think they want him involved. They want him catching passes. They want him down there in the red zone catching touchdowns. And, you know, I'm not saying anything past 2022, but for 2022, if you're trying to find a cheaper play at tight end on a contender, you can do a lot worse than Gerald Everett. Trust me, I can give you names. <laughs> we talked about Cole Komet last year and how he has less receptions than third string tight ends on teams. So, um, you know, uh, yeah. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah, um, DLF Trade Finder right now has him going for a, a second. A 23 second is what I think probably in some of these TE premium leagues. There's some packages of him and a third for a second. Um, like him and a him and a third for a twenty three and twenty four second. I don't so. think I don't. And honestly, this is not going to be every league. But I I don't even think you need to pay a second. Like you said, you know, Gerald Everett and a third for a second. Okay, so yep. you're getting Gerald Everett and you're getting the third. Cool. Yep. You know what I mean? That third can yep, turn into backing up around. Right, and yeah. honestly, that third, if you're you know. If you're trading as much as we try to, that third is getting thrown into another deal to to get somebody else. So um, yeah. it's not even like we're keeping that third around, you know, for the entire season. But um, yeah, Gerald Everett, I, that's a great name. I like that name a lot. So there you go, Tommy. I, I hope that helps you out. Um, let's pivot a little bit. We got a question in the chat. So let, let's throw this one up here from our man, Dynasty Scissor. Uh, all right, for later on the show, later is now. Scissor, flex question for you guys. Amari Cooper versus the Chargers or Robert Bobby Trees Woods versus the Washington Cobra Commanders. I don't even I don't even think they sh- they deserve a great nickname like Cobra Commanders, but we'll give it to them for this question only. All right, Drew. Um I'll start this one off. It might be crazy, 
but I think I'm going with, with Bobby Trees here. Traylon Burks has turf toe. Kyle Phillips is still not back. Uh, like, what are they? What are they going to do in the passing game? You know, like, where else are they going? <laughs> and that's my honest to god question. Mm. Where else are they going? Uh, Nick Westbrook Akine, right, maybe. But what's that? What's that? Two receptions for twenty-two yards. You know, you know. I assume they're going to throw for more than twenty-two yards in that game. So, I think Rob, I, I think Robert Woods is going to get a lot of uh, of the target share. And we've seen we've seen the commanders just really get thrown all over. I mean, they uh, they beat the Jags, but Trevor Lawrence had a pretty good game minus the interception at the end that sealed it for the commanders. Uh, we saw Dallas throw all over them. We saw we saw Philly. I mean, just light them on fire that wasn't that was like i mean the the you know the varsity versus the jv that that wasn't even fun and you know we saw we saw detroit get out to a big lead against them so they give up a ton of points they're not really secure in the past game so yeah give me robert woods and i'll take that all day what's your thoughts on this drew Oh, this is tough. Um, I see where you're coming from with Woods and being the option. I think he's a he's a safer play. Um, Cooper is is still, I think, your your high potential guy. If you're hoping to hit on a boom week for him, where he could hit 100 yards, touchdown or two. Um, if you're looking to maximize because maybe you've got a, a bunch of other safe players, floor type guys, then. I'd probably go Cooper there. If you're looking to just get a, a good shot at double digit points and maybe a touchdown. Um, yeah. Playing the commanders is a very, very attractive matchup. Uh, Chargers ideally should be a, a decent matchup you know, if they're chasing points, but um, yeah, I think if I, if I feel pretty good about having some boom bust plays in other positions, uh, maybe a quarterback or you got somebody um, I'm trying to think of who we'd have at running back. It would even be boom bust. Maybe you've got Saquon there that you're expecting to do really, really well, but you know, depending on how that matchup goes, he could be a little bit lower. Uh, maybe you want the floor of, of Robert Woods. Um, so it really depends on what you're looking at for that flex spot. But uh, I think for, uh, you know, the consistency, I could definitely see going with Woods um, because nobody likes looking at, you know, 1.7 points on, on their roster. And that that's kind of what I was looking at. Like Robert Woods the last three weeks has had four receptions in each week. Now Amari Cooper, week two, nine for one oh one and a touchdown. Week three, seven for one oh one and a touchdown. Those are those are whew, great weeks. Week one against the Panthers, three for 17. Last week against the Falcons, one for nine. I mean, you're like, Bobby Woods is not sexy. I mean, you're kind of hoping for the touchdown to really kind of shoot you up a little bit. But except for week one where where Robert Woods went one for 13, he – He's been consistent, and 
my thing is that, man, you know, it seems like the really bad matchups is where Cooper struggles. <laughs> I mean, the Panthers shouldn't be a team that you should fall apart against. We've seen them play. They're not good. The defense is fine, but they're not an elite defense. Three for 17. The Falcons. <laughs> the Falcons. One for nine? Come on. Come on. So that's my concern. So I think Drew summed it up best, though. You know, it all depends on how you, you know, how you build your teams. Um, I always, I always, or build your starting lineups, I should say. I always try to err on the side of getting for sure points in my lineup. Um, and the boom bust guys, I try not to play if I can avoid it. Uh, but if you're in a situation where maybe you have a lot of just high floor guys, guys that you know are going to score you a good amount of points, maybe throw Cooper in there and just hope he, he has one of his, you know, eight for 100 and a touchdown days mm-hmm. and not one of his, you know, one for nine or three for 17 days. But that's a good question. That's kind of a, you know, a thought, you know, thought exercise there. And um, and I like those. So uh, thank you, Scissor. Uh, our next one here is from friend of the show, Coast to Coast Dynasty Mercer at CSC Dynasty Merce. What are the top 10 wide receivers in your humble opinion? So we did not both make top 10 lists because I wanted to make a top 10 list and then have uh, Drew dissect it and see uh, what he likes and what he does not like. Uh, Drew is the is the cool, calculated, uh, mental, cerebral player. And I just, I just like saying wild and incendiary things to get people going. So uh, we'll see if my, if my top 10 list reflects that. All right. So at one, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, yeah, he had a couple of, you know, slow weeks there. We all got worried. We all, oh, my God, what's going to happen? He's fine. We saw, we saw that in London. He's fine. Uh, number two, Cooper Cup. Listen, I was I was standing on on my uh, on my soapbox saying Cooper Cup can't do what he did last year. It was an insane year. He was the triple crown winner. You know they're not going to do that. Well, he's getting the targets again. <laughs> so at this point, I mean, it seems like Matthew Stafford only has eyes for Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. And then a, some secondary receiver. Last year, it was Robert Woods until he got hurt. Then it was like a game or two of Van Jefferson. And then it was Odell Beckham. This year, it seems to be Tyler Higby for whatever reason. I'm still not getting that, but it is what it is. And that's it. You know, so it's Cooper Cup first. If he's triple covered, like he should be on every play, uh, then there's the second guy. And so... I think as long as Matt Stafford's in town, Cooper Cup is going to keep doing what he's doing. So I'm going to put him at number two. Uh, at number three, Jamar Chase. Uh, he was my number one. Uh, I went to war for him uh, against the uh, the Justin Jefferson at one players. There's been a little bit of a step back, and I think that's more of a 
I think that's more of an offensive scheme thing as opposed to Jamar Chase not being good. But like I said, I kind of, I kind of explained why I have the, the other two uh, ahead of him. Uh, T. Higgins being a stone-cold stud doesn't help either. Uh, neither one of the first two guys has that, like, for sure stud next to them. So um, he drops down to three. Number four, this might be where it gets a little controversial, CeeDee Lamb. Remember when we buried him after week one? He wasn't good no more. Sell him for what you could get for him. All he needed was a little rush, man, a little Cooper rush to get him going. Um, he's been good. Yeah, does he drop balls? Absolutely, he drops balls that he really has no business dropping. But he can get, he can get you vertical. He can get you on a slant, and he can just be by you. And you don't even realize it until you're like, wait a minute, he's not there anymore. And he's about, you know, seven yards separated. He's catching the ball, and he's running it in for a touchdown. Um, I think Amari Cooper being out of there has helped him a lot. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that Cooper Rush being a backup and logically looking at his team and going, okay, who should I be throwing to ball, the ball to? Oh, this guy, CeeDee Lamb, he's really good. Let's do that. We'll see what happens when Dak gets back. Dak likes to spread it around a little bit more. I think Cooper uh, Cooper Rush is doing a fine job of spreading it, but Dak is much more trying to get everybody involved. We'll see if maybe Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore sit down with him and say, hey, like do what Cooper Rush is doing and just you know try to get CeeDee Lamb involved as much as humanly possible. Um, number five, um, NFC East rival, uh, AJ Brown from the Philadelphia Eagles. I was unsure about what the on-field chemistry was going to be. Yes, I know they were best friends and AJ Brown is Jalen Hurts's kid's godfather or something like that. I mean, they were, I think AJ Brown was the best man at Jalen Hurts' wedding. They're really close and I got that, but uh, being friends and having on-field chemistry are two different things, and I didn't know how that was going to work out uh, at the start of the season. I mean, game one, <laughs> I think A.J. Brown had 160 yards and a touchdown or something like that. Uh, so, obviously, you know, they're on the same page. Uh, the team is very good. We've seen a, a jump by Jalen Hurts. And not even so much. I, I don't think he's still an elite passing quarterback by any means, but he's playing the game in a more efficient way, which I think is really helping out that entire team. So, you know, A.J. Brown obviously is going to be there for a while. He just signed a, a, a big old contract extension. So he's going to be paired up with Jalen Hurts, um, you know, barring something crazy happening. So I, I like that at uh, at number five. Number six, Buffalo Bills represent Drew. Uh, Stephon Diggs, let's face it. You know, it was, well, it's going to be Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. And Stephon Diggs said, I mean, you do whatever you want, Gabe Davis. I'm just going to go out here and dominate. And that's pretty much what he's done all season. Um, you know, then it was, well, maybe Isaiah McKenzie can step up. <laughs> maybe Khalil Shakira can step up. Maybe this guy can. Maybe Dawson Knox will step up. And Josh Allen says, no, Stefan Diggs is my boy, and he's going to keep getting fed. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And 
for the next two or three years, I don't see anything changing that. So uh, I'm going to stick with Stefan Diggs. He's older, yes, but can he give you two to three years of production? I think he can. Um, another old guy, uh, Devontae Adams. Vegas, not doing good record-wise, but that's not because Devontae Adams isn't getting the ball. He's getting targets. He's he's pretty much doing everything he did in Green Bay, except he's doing it in Vegas with Derek Carr. So I have him at seven. At eight, Jalen Waddle. Man, that, that Miami offense, and we'll see what happens. You know, it's uh, two is out for at least this week. We'll see what happens moving forward with that. But Jalen Waddle, you know, he does have Tyreek Hill on the other side. But he was good last year, too. And I, I don't want people to forget that. Like, well, he just broke out now because Tyreek Hill is there. No, he was pretty good last year, too. Um, he could take it to the house on any play, which is obviously a good thing if you own a guy in Dynasty. So that is uh, that is my eight. Number nine, Michael Pittman. This is kind of – I mean, he's ha- he's had a – I think he's had one, maybe two good games this season. But this is a, you know, hoping that Indianapolis stops playing the old quarterback carousel and just drafts a guy or trades for, you know, a younger guy, you know, something like that where, you know, they can uh, they can get somebody in there and really unlock Michael Pittman. And I don't know if nine Michael Pittman is controversial, but I think this one will be controversial for some people. At 10, Drake London. I dogged on Drake London during the offseason. I'm going to sit here, I'm going to raise my hand, and I'm going to admit to what I said. But Drake London has made Kyle Pitts irrelevant. And I don't think that's because Kyle Pitts isn't supremely talented. And I'm not saying that's because Arthur Smith is supposed to be an offensive guy and can't figure out how to use two really good pass catchers. But he became, he walked in and just became the number one guy. We thought it was going to take him a little bit of time. We thought he was going to, you know, growing pink. And this is what Marcus Mariota, by the way. If they, if, if Atlanta ends up, ends up with a top five pick and they get one of these quarterbacks that are supposed to be coming out in this 23 draft, what? You telling me Will Levis or Bryce Young can't unlock a little bit more than Marcus Mariota? I think they can. So that's my top 10. Drew, uh, thoughts. It could be anything, likes, dislikes. Who did I miss? Who did, who's who, too high, too low? Uh, overall, I like it. I, I am not a, a Cooper Cup top two guy, uh, I think, because of the age and because of what we've seen from Matthew Stafford. I think he'll give you the, the floor because of all those targets. Um, you know, the question marks will be in scoring. And I know touchdowns are, are not easy to predict. Right. And again, we're, we're expecting some regression from last year. Um, it's hard for me not to put one of the younger guys up there who has had, uh, a really good first and second year. So, um, I think value wise, you're still getting top two value from Jamar chase. So if you agree with Josh and you're comfortable with what you can get, out of Cooper Cup for the next couple of seasons, then you could take Jamar Chase and probably get a good bit on top with that. 
um, be able to reload a little bit next year, uh, maybe even the year after that. Uh, so Cup for me is probably he and Devonte Adams are going to be pretty close, middle of the pack, maybe like a five, six, six, seven group there for me. Um, you know, hard, hard not to. We talked about him earlier just for a second. Hard not to have Debo in the top ten, knowing how uh, how explosive he is and how many ways they can get him the ball. Um, so for me, he he's one that I would be looking at. I'm looking at DLF's top ten right now, uh, which is kind of wild to see a couple of those duos. Right, we have. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you mentioned Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So we've got a couple of teammates that are in the top 10, which is crazy to see some of the talent on some of these teams. Um, I, I do think uh, if you're going to put some of the older guys in there, I do think Stephon Diggs belongs, uh, quite frankly, ahead of uh, Cup and, and Devontae for me. Maybe they're five, six, seven, um, knowing that he's got Josh Allen on that offense. Um, you know, a lot more confidence in Allen. I think uh, Derek Carr is underrated probably. So Devontae has uh, a little bit more security there than maybe people thought originally watching the drop off from Aaron Rodgers to, to Derek Carr. Um, I love CD lamb in the top five. Uh, I, I should have made a push to get more of him in the last couple of weeks. Uh, now they just had a couple of good weeks. You know, that, that cost has rebounded pretty significantly. Um yeah, AJ Brown, who, yeah, he's he's another one. We'll see how that works out between him. And it seems like a little bit of a carousel here between him. Devonta Smith had a huge week a couple of weeks ago. You know, Dallas Goddard still getting some some reasonable targets there. Uh, wild to see what's happening to Miles Sanders as a side note. You know, seeing him finally score in a long, long time and, and be productive. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's tough to fit top 10. Top 12, I think you can make a lot more rearrangements here. Michael Pittman at, at nine was pretty aggressive. Um, he's probably one that I, I would like to see in that group, but based on some of the guys that are around him, um, it would be tough to say. And that's, that's a tough part too, is that wide receiver after a certain point here, you know, after a couple of the first two, two tiers, maybe it's so interchangeable. It could be depending on your team makeup, depending on your scoring setup, depending on what type of league you have, if you have, you know, contracts involved and stuff. But, um, you know, DK is another guy that I think is undervalued at this point still. Um, pretty wild to see some of the comparisons between Russ and Gino through the first few games. <laughs> uh, I think somebody put a, a graphic up today of the Broncos last year with Gino through for the first few games, right? Um, compared to where they are with Russ this year. And then, uh, you know, I, I love some of the swagger that Gino's got to, to his game right now. A couple of the one-liners in the, the post-game interviews that he's had. Um, but yeah, DK is a guy that I, I have a hard time not having right around that, that top 10 too. So, uh, Drake one, I was curious if you'd have anybody from this year's rookie class up there with how some of the guys have shown out. So I think Drake London's pretty bold. It seems like, uh, he, he could absolutely fit in the top 10. So I, I like that. I, yeah, I like Garrett Wilson. I like Alave and depending on, again, on how some of those quarterback situations work out. Um, these guys could either shoot right up in the top five or six, or they might hover in that, you know, seven to 15 range perpetually for the next couple of years. Um, so again, it is, some of this is reading your team or I'm sorry, not your team, but your league mates and see where you can find some of those inefficiencies and in value. And maybe you do have a Cooper cup that somebody wants for that floor and you are, you're willing to live with the up and down of a, a Drake London while they sort that quarterback situation out plus a little bit for next year. Um, I, I guess that's kind of my question for you when you look at the val look at the values here, Josh. So you, you have Cooper Cup as your number two wide receiver. 
Um, when we go down toward the bottom of your top 10, what do you need to add to Drake London to get you to move Cooper Cup off your team? So I guess, it, you know, it depends on the team. If I am rebuilding and I have a Cooper Cup on my team, first of all, I had to not sell him sooner. But, you know, I would I would need Drake London I'm going to cost you like Drake London a, a first and a second because if we if we're looking right now at half point PPR Cooper Cup is number 1 again according to fantasy pros. Now every every league is different there's different, you know, things with scoring, but just your standard vanilla half point PPR Cooper Cup is in first and he's 5 points ahead of Stefan Diggs. Yeah. So pretty much a point a game ahead of number two. Not a ton. That can be made up easily throughout the season, obviously. But it just kind of shows. And the reason why I was surprised when I put Cooper Cup at number two, because he's old. You know, that's the thing. He's old. What is he, 29? I think he'll be 29 this year. He's 29 already. Nope, he is. He's he's 29 already. Ancient. So. Obviously, you know, we're talking dynasty here. What do we want? We want 24, 25 year olds. That's what we want. But this thing, whatever we want to call it, between Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup, where he looks at Cooper Cup as the first read, the second read, and sometimes even the third read on a lot of plays is continuing. And I think Matthew Stafford's going to be there for another two years. So I think this is going to continue for another two years um will he be number one in each and every one of those years no will he be two probably not but besides injury i don't see a way where he falls out of the top five with the amount of targets he's getting i just i don't and um that is when i when i look at my list you know justin jefferson I, again, I think is a guy who really can't fall out of the top five, my, uh, you know, minus injury. You know, Jamar Chase, if, you know, if an offensive, if a real offensive coach, not Zach Taylor, ever comes in there and says, wow, I have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and gets T. Higgins just a little bit more involved, because T. Higgins is still pretty involved in that offense. I mean, that's going to siphon from Jamar Chase. And they have Joe Mixon. You know, there there are mouths to feed in that offense. And Jamar Chase is supremely talented. But you could see a couple six, seven seasons from him because T. Higgins just got a little bit more involved. Um, I hate it. By the way, talking about T. Higgins, I hated leaving him out of the top 10. I really wanted to try to squeeze him in there. But... These guys just, you know, they are, they're either elite talents or they're the only talent on their team. And that's always going to cap T Higgins is the fact that Jamar Chase is there, you know, and we, and I just talked about Joe Mixon. And so there's always going to be a lot of mouths to feed. And unfortunately, he's not the most talented wide receiver on that team. He would be the most talented wide receiver on quite a few teams, but on this one, he's not. So that that's 
what kept them out of the top 10 for me. But I knew things were going to be a little, that's why I, I thought it would, it would be cool if I made the list, because like I said, you know, you're very cool and calculated. And I, I like to be a little bit more um, boisterous sometimes about, you know, my thoughts and my feelings about, um, about how I look at the, the fantasy game. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong, but this was one that, uh, that that was fun for me to do. All right. So before we get into uh, get into the rest of the timeline, let's go to the game of the week. So Drew, we were we were pretty good last week. Uh, we were two and one. Not bad. Two and one. Unfortunately, the uh, the pick we gave on the show was our was our one loss. Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's Pittsburgh, man. I, I don't even know at this point what what they're doing. Um, they lost to the Jets. Go team. Uh, so on the season, I'm starting to keep track of this now. Six, three, and one. So I'm not doing too bad. We're not doing too bad. We got two, we got two wins for every loss. So uh that's a good one. So this week, indie fans, I'm not picking on your team. I swear I'm not picking on your team because this is the third time they've been <laughs> a pick of the week. We got it right when Jacksonville trounced them. We we got them wrong when they pulled the upset on the Chiefs. So according to that uh, that back and forth, we're gonna get it right this time when we when we throw Indy into the mix. Uh, Indy at Denver, the Thursday night special. Denver, minus three. They're the favorite. So listen to this. Indianapolis. The Indianapolis Colts are 32nd in points per game. Drew, can you just remind everybody how many teams are in the NFL? I think it's like 48, right? You sure about that? You might want to fact check that. Hold on. Let, me, let me check the Googles here. Google that. Google that. We'll hold here while Drew Googles how many teams are in the NFL. Uh, in in you... fact, I was I was wrong, Josh. I don't get to okay. say this a lot, but I was wrong. There are okay. 32. And they're 32nd. That that's not good. That's not good. And by the way, the majority of, of their offensive output was while Jonathan Taylor was healthy. Uh he's been ruled out for Thursday's game. So yep. The team that scores the least amount of points is probably, or not probably, is going to be missing their biggest offensive weapon. That's not good. Uh, I don't care who you are. That's not good. Um, I don't know how they score points. And don't get me wrong. The Broncos, have not, the Broncos have not been an offensive juggernaut this year. They haven't. We thought we thought Russ was gonna cook. That that man can't even get Uber Eats right now. That's how bad he's been. He can't postmates. He's having trouble just turning on the oven for a frozen pizza. It's mm-hmm. bad right now. But he's got weapons. He does. Russ has weapons. He does. I know it sounds funny. They lost Javante. I get that. It Broke my heart. Nobody loved Javante more than me. But they still have Jerry Judy. 
They still have Cortland Sutton, who's getting like a 33% target share on that team. You know, they they got the KJ Hamlers of the world. You know, Albert O is still running around. You know, Melvin Gordon, if he can hold on to the damn ball, is decent. You know, they just signed Latavius Murray, who looked who looked good in that London game. So they have pieces, and I think they have enough pieces to win this game by three. So Indy has to fly to Denver, mile high. We always hear about the altitude and how that affects people and, and all that. So I just think a lot of things stack up against Indy. They lose this game by at least three points. And, you know, just remember, if you're going to put money on, on some of these games, use BetUS. Uh, we're going to throw a link in the comments after this post so that you can click. Um, they have, they always have deals going on and they change a lot, but it's always like put in a hundred, get 125, get 50 free dollars. You know, they're always doing something. So when you join, you're like, you're pretty much always going to get something, you know, right now they have $125 sign up bonus. Like, don't you want that? Don't you want to put in a hundred bucks? And then they just throw you 125 to bet with? I mean, just think it. If you if you bet, you know, if you bet with us, that 125 could have turned into a little bit more money for you. You know, we're six, three, and one. And, and by the way, I, I I'll talk about the other winners for a second. Um we told we told you to to take Vegas. They won outright. You know, that was in the FTC, the fantasy timeline chat. And we throw a special one in just for those guys and gals every week, just as a thank you for, for being in the chat. The chat is always fun. There's trade questions. There's, you know, start sit questions. There's everything in there. Uh, so, you know, again, if you want to be a part of the FTC, just hit me up at Real Fantasy TL. Hit Drew up at DR underscore PRA or hit us up at Fantasy Timeline and say, hey, I want to be part of the fantasy timeline chat, the FTC. We'll throw you right in there. And, um, you know, just for the just for the bets alone, even if you're just trying to win, win a little extra cash in your pocket. You know, we've been actually pretty good uh, with our uh, with our timeline bets, too. So, you know, and then obviously our Sunday, our Sunday morning special, we told you guys to take uh, take the uh, Chargers minus seven uh, against the uh, the vaunted Houston Texans. And it looked a little. Looked a little shaky there for a minute. Looked like we were going to take the L on that one, but Austin Eckler, with one of his uh, what forty-seven touchdowns in that game, came through and gave us the dub. So, uh, yeah, that uh, again, bet us. We're gonna put we're gonna put our link in there uh, in the comments after the show post. Uh, obviously, if you ever want to, you know, if you ever just need it real quick, you can hit either one of us up. We can shoot it right over to you, so you can. Uh, take advantage but let's get back to the timeline drew um here's one from uh from our boy at j money jared this is a 12 team super flex start 10 would you rather have dj moore and cam Akers, or a random 23 first and darnell mooney uh I voted on this one, so I want to get your opinion first, Drew. Uh, which side do you like? Do you like the DJ Moore 
and Cam Akers side, or do you like the random 23 first and the Darnell Mooney side? I would probably settle for just the 23 first and then add Darnell Mooney. Sure, why not? I'll take him on top. I Cam Akers is – I would rather have Darnell Mooney over Cam Akers any given day. I'd rather have the first over DJ Moore at this point. So – I'm with you. I voted on this. I voted for the random 23 first in Mooney. Uh, that side lost uh, 57 to 43%. And I really broke it down like you did. I said, would I take a random first for DJ Moore? Absolutely. Would I take Mooney for Cam Akers? Absolutely. I feel like I'm getting the the better side of both of those. So give it to me. And I did a little research this week. DJ Moore, do you know what wide receiver he is? DJ Moore, wide receiver 24, right? No? Wide receiver 36. He's still a flex play. You could throw him in there. Wide receiver 48. He's a flex in the three wide receiver league. No? All right. That's because he's wide receiver 50. And it pains me to say that because I've loved DJ Moore since day one. DJ Moore has, and I've tried. I try to get him every year, and people love DJ Moore like I love DJ Moore. But at this point, I can't trust Carolina to do anything. They they had an opportunity to get a Justin Fields. They didn't. Now, maybe in hindsight, that's going to be a good move because we haven't seen anything from Justin Fields that says, hey, this is this is elite quarterback play. They could have got Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones has been good. He hasn't been elite. He hasn't been a superstar, but he's been good. He's been better than make Baker Mayfield. He's been better than the corpse of, of Cam Newton. He, he's been better than Kyle Allen. Like these are the quarterbacks that have thrown to DJ Moore, and I don't even want to list the other ones because it would just depress me. But Carolina seems to have no will to use money or draft picks to get a competent, qualified quarterback in there, and they've been available. I mean, I mean, we've seen Russell Wilson move. Now, again, in hindsight, it might not be a bad thing that they skipped on Russ Wilson because right now, Russ can't cook. He's not cooking. He, he's, not, he's not even really microwaving. They, D- Scissor said it perfectly. Russ can't cook. He's still eating the Geno's pizza rolls he got served week one. <laughs> terrible. Geno Smith, who, by the way, is a top 10 fantasy quarterback this season. Him and Jared Goff, they just sitting, kicking their feet up, going, you remember when people said we couldn't play football? Look at us now. <laughs> Look at us now. Um, but they, they haven't even tried. I mean, their, their big answer this year was to epically fail on Deshaun Watson. And, this, and by the way, this wasn't a moral play by them. They were in the hunt, and they couldn't get the job done. Um, they they didn't use they haven't used draft picks. I mean, 
we we know now that Kenny Pickett went 20 to the Steelers, but they had a top 10 pick. And even if they valued him as a top 20 guy, they they either didn't try or couldn't move down to accumulate more assets and maybe get Kenny Pick Pickett more at like top 10 or top 12. Like they just haven't. I'm going too long on DJ Moore. I'm sorry about that. But um, <laughs> that that's what worries me about DJ Moore is that Carolina is just never going to get it right with him. They're never going to get him a quarterback that can actually get him the damn ball. So give me the first and Mooney. I'm sorry for that ramble. It just it hurts me. It hurts me a lot. Um, here's our next one here from to Utah at Steve Sanders 600. Uh, 12 team super flex dynasty PPR. Javante Williams or Damian Priest? But Priest, let's try this again. Damian Pierce. So this is an interesting one. Obviously, if you don't know, I, I have to break some bad news. Javante tore every L in his knee: ACL, PCL, LCL, all the L. All of them. If there's an LDL. If there's an L in his in his knee, it, it's currently not attached the way it's supposed to be. He's gone for the rest of this season and probably the first few weeks of the 2023 season. So it's kind of, you know, a lot of people have been comparing it to the J.K. Dobbins injury. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to do that. But that's what I've heard other people say. They're comparing it to that injury. So. Drew, what what's your headspace on Javante Williams? Mm. If if you're looking at this deal, is it Javante or is it Damian Priest? I did it again. Damian Pierce. Yeah, this is this is a sad, sad uh time here for those of us who were uh riding the Javante train. I, I am so overweight in Javante cross leagues that this is uh this hurts a lot in so many places, which again, I mean, you, you have to know each year running backs get hurt, right? You just hope that you know, a guy like Javante would, uh, would keep it together, especially with the, the limited usage too, you know, splitting with Mel, Mel Gordon and stuff. So feel bad for him. I, I hope he gets a, uh, you know, solid rehab and hopefully he's uh, able to do, you know, everything he can to, to get back and, and get right. But um you know, if it's a matter of I'm I'm competing right now and I need to uh, fill out my running back, maybe I'm in a league that makes me that forces me to start two running backs, and maybe I was a hero RB, right? Maybe it was Javante and then a bunch of Jags. Um, yeah, I I could see doing this. I mean, Damien Pierce is he's an RB two right now. Um, you know, you could have the hope that he'll blossom to more than that uh, if you believe in the talent. As a Javante uh, stan, as somebody who has so much Javante, I, I couldn't do this personally. I don't think unless I was really looking at the rest of my team. Maybe I had a surprise guy show up. Maybe Gerald Everett is my tight end two or three, and I'm able to start him in a tight end premium. And I'm getting the points. I'm getting some unexpected points, and I just need to fill out the rest of my roster. Uh, I mean, Pierce is a great substitute, and you know, you you don't lose any years here. I think typically what you're looking at is uh, you're going to have non-contenders sending uh, older running backs. You know, is it, I don't know, maybe it's a, a Saquon for a Javante now or something might be a more typical deal you'll get across your, your offers because Saquon's getting older. But 
Um, you know, if I'm getting unexpected points elsewhere and I'm still contending strongly, uh, I could see making this deal. I think I would still have to counter to get another another piece somewhere, whether it's another uh, a really uh, you know a deeper running back piece that you know may, maybe I just want to get Rex Burkhead with it in case something happens to Damian Pierce, and I just want to have a couple pieces to feel good about being able to have a startable guy each week, even if I get it wrong some weeks, right? I know I know Burkhead had a good week this week, but um, I need something a little bit more whether it's another opportunity next year, you know, a third round pick, especially if it's coming from somebody who's trying to shed points. Yeah. Give me your early third. I'll take a top 28 pick next year. And like you're saying earlier, Josh, I can package that together or, you know, it won't take much to turn that early third into a mid or late second next year in this class that we really like. Um, but straight up, I have a hard time doing it. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, if this deal is sent to me and I have Javante in a lot of places too, um, this is this is an instant reject from me. Um, unless uh, no, it's just an instant reject for me because even if I'm a contender, right? I can I can make other plans. And I, I honestly, even if I went hero RB and my heroes are, my hero was Javante and I have a lot of other guys. I mean, I think I can, I can keep Javante and I'm, I'm looking at, you know, half point PPR again for, for running backs. What is it going to cost me to get, my name is Jeff Wilson Jr. He he's he's uh, running back twenty seven right now, which by the way is ahead of where Javante Williams is. Now I know Javante Williams got hurt in that game, blah blah blah, but he's ahead of he was ahead of Javante. Javante coming in at, at thirty two and a half point PPR. So what would it take me to get? My name is Jeff. What would it take me to get? Let's see. Let's scroll a little bit. Damian Harris. What do you think it takes me to get Damian Harris? Damian Harris is 15. Pay a second. Yeah. And I keep Javante. And I can I can look to to make a, a more, in my opinion, a more equitable deal. Listen, Pierce has been good. This year, right now, corner fantasy pros, he is RB fourteen and a half point PPR. But what what is next year going to bring? Right, if I'm losing Javante, I know it might be you know week four, five, six in 2023 before Javante is back up and back, kind of to what he. But we we've seen this. You know, I've heard, and I've heard other people compare this to J.K. Dobbins. We kind of saw J.K. Dobbins do a little something last week. The first mm-hmm. week was kind of the knock the rust off week. It, you know, wasn't pretty. You weren't excited about it. But then we kind of saw J.K. Dobbins back to the J.K. Dobbins that we think we all remembered. Then this season will tell. Again, you know, we're only in week four. Maybe this was the aberration, and week three was what he's really going to be for the rest of the season. 
But if J.K. Dobbins gets back, you know, we have to wait, you know, a few more weeks for Javante because I think it was four or five weeks um, later than J.K. Dobbins' injury in the calendar last year. So, you know, if I'm thinking, all right, I've seen this guy, and especially at the end of the year, you know, J.K. Dobbins is back to J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, we're probably going to kind of assume that Javante is going to be back to Javante, and I don't want to give that up for Pierce. Who, let's face it, we don't know what Houston is doing. He might he might end the season at running back fourteen. They have two first round picks, and the GM gets the bright idea to draft Bijan Robinson with that second first round pick because they want to sell jerseys. And before you call me crazy, we saw the Jacksonville Jaguars do this last year when they drafted Travis Etienne in the first round when they had James Robinson, who was crushing it. So it's not the craziest thing to happen. I don't think Pierce as a fourth round pick, I believe he was, Mm -hmm. just has this, no matter what he does, has this just instant built-in security that there's no way that they don't spend money on Melvin Gordon, that they don't spend draft capital on a top three or four running back in the class. Like, we just, we don't, he doesn't have that security. He would have to finish like RB3 almost to be like, all right, well, he's pretty much built in. And I, I don't think he, he is going to. <laughs> so, yeah, I would rather keep him and, and try to get some cheaper options. Give me Jeff Wilson, man. I'm like, let me pay that second probably at most to get a Jeff Wilson yeah. rather than give up a Javante to get Damian Pierce. Yeah. So, um, all right. You know what, Drew? We got one more. You got time for one more? We can do one more. I could do one more. Of course we could do one more. All right. This one here is from John, or excuse me, Josh Ross. At Josh, one 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 five two zero. Josh, let's shorten up the numbers a little bit. Six numbers is a lot. Twelve team dynasty. Do you want T Higgins, Brandon Cooks, and a twenty three third, or Olave Pickens and a twenty four first? First of all, what are we doing here? Like, th- doesn't this seem like the most obvious side to pick? Or am I crazy? Because I'm looking at this. Olave has been cooking. Another guy was down on that he seems to be getting work done. George Pickens, who looks like Kenny Pickett's favorite wide receiver after that one half of play. And a 24 first for T. Higgins. And I get it. T. Higgins is, you know, I I couldn't get him in my top 10, but he's 100% top 15. Brandon Cooks, Mr. Reliable, I like to call him. You you never think about him, but he's always there when you need him. And a 23 third. I kind of look at it like this. Would I be shocked if Olave was in the top 15 next year? Like ADP? Would it be shocking if Olave was in there? If he keeps kind of on the pace that he's on? I don't think so. 
So T. Higgins has a slight advantage, but I feel like in a year's time, that might be neutral. Pickens or Brandon Cook? Brandon Cooks? Everybody's going to pick Pickens. <laughs> and then a 24 first or a 23 third? Obvious. Yep. So what do you think here, Drew? Am, am I missing something? I, I thought maybe the, the T. Higgins part might uh, draw some more attention there. Uh, when I voted on this a few days ago, it was close to maybe 60-40. So okay. it, the results definitely panned out closer to what I was expecting. Um, some of it depends on what you think of George Pickens. Uh, he's kind of been polarizing depending on who you talk to a little bit. But, yeah, I think from when you do the matchup game here, yeah, I mean, I, I love me some T. Higgins, but he's not enough to to give up uh, a couple of young guys that look like they're going to turn into something. Or, again, could be in a similar tier as him a year from now. And, and you're getting two of them. You know, we love Brandon Cooks, uh, perpetually underrated. Um, but, yeah, like you said, if you're talking about Brandon Cooks versus Pickens, you're adding something to Cooks to get to Pickens. Uh, and, and, honestly, if the picks were switched, how much different does it make it? Man, it makes it a little bit closer, but, but I still yeah. think that over the next two to three years, the Olave pick inside – is going to outscore the T Higgins, Brandon cook side, you know, is it it, enough to drop, drop back two rounds? I mean, I think so. I think that's that's tough. It's a little tougher when you, when you switch, but as is, yeah, I think the Alave Pickens and 24 first, and and this is the move to do it. If you can make this happen, if you have T Higgins, Brandon cooks, even if it's a 23rd second and you can go and, parlay that into an Alave Pickens and a 24 first. Uh, we've talked about this as a theme for the last few months. Um, you know, unless, uh, unless somebody is just absolutely, you know, dead to the world and doesn't understand where the value is with these 23 first 24s are the ones to, to be adding in and lumping in at this point. So uh, yeah, it's pretty easy there. I was just curious, uh, you know, if, if the T Higgins allure knowing that you wanted to get him in the top 10, if any of that That's would, it. uh, sway you at all uh, no and it it didn't but obviously you know t higgins makes you at least stop and look at it it makes you go all right let me let me take a look at this let me see what i really think about it but once you kind of take a step back and you really process it logically t higgins doesn't make up for everything that you're losing but but i think and I like that you put this trade on because I said, man, it seems so obvious. But this is the reason why you shouldn't hesitate to offer a trade. Now, I'm not saying offer bad trades because, you know, don't give me, you know, uh, Javante just got hurt. Do you want Jeff Wilson straight up? Like, stop. You know, you know, nobody's doing that. So don't like. But this is on its face. You go, man, this is really lopsided. But this is a a real contender versus rebuild kind of trade. And if you're a contender, or excuse me, if you're a rebuild, T. Higgins is young. T. Higgins could definitely be on a rebuild. But what's happening with Brandon Cooks? 
He's going to be that like 24 to 28 for the next two years. So you got that low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three. And a third. Hey, if you're rebuilding, that third's going to be high in this draft that we all love. So we're talking, you know, 25 to, you know, 27 in that range. Okay, that, that's got some value. Not a ton, but some. But you're getting back two youngsters. You're getting back Olave. You're getting back Pickens. And you're getting a 24, 24 first, which is just helping with the rebuild. So offer it. You know, what's the worst that can happen? The guy writes you back and goes, look, dude, this is way off, man. Like, maybe I could do this and do that and make some switches and make it a trade that we both could agree on. But shoot them out because you never know. Every time I shoot out a trade, I expect it not to get accepted. And it's not because I send out bad trades. It's because I understand that the person on the other side is probably going to do what I do. They're going to look at it. They're going to go, all right, I see where he's coming from. Let's make some tweaks. And then I get it back. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool too. Like I like this, this offer too. And sometimes I go, I, he's got the right idea, but let's make some tweaks. And you may, you, each side makes a couple tweaks a couple times. And then you get to a, a point where both of you go, all right, this is cool. Or you get to a point where a person goes, I just can't do it. You know, it's a little bit too rich for my blood, you know, or I'm not getting enough value back in the situation. And that's fine. You're in a 12 team league. If one person doesn't like a trade, you got 10 more opportunities to try to get something done. And this is what this is what rebuilders should be doing. You should know walking into the season you're a rebuilder and you should just be every week kind of looking towards the top and going, okay, these are the guys that need to pay to win that that championship. That's what everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to win. Drew, you like winning, right? I do. I do, in fact. I I like winning. You know, people that play Dynasty with me probably go, yeah, but you don't do it a lot. I get that, but I like winning. So look at the top and go, okay, they like winning too. They wouldn't be playing fancy if they didn't like winning. You know, it's fun and it's cool to hang out with people and talk with them and and shoot the shit and everything. But, you know, when the season starts, we're all trying to win or we're all trying to get our team to where it needs to be. And go, hey, I got a T. Higgins. First, second, third place guys, you know. And I'll, I'll give a little... I don't think it's secret, but something that I try to do, I don't actually look at the top three teams because their teams are probably pretty good unless someone is just kind of getting lucky with matchups and stuff like that. I like looking at teams like six and seven because they're like, I'm in the playoffs or I'm close to being in the playoffs. I need a little bit something extra. And that's where I try to make the trades happen when I'm a rebuilder because they have, they have hope, hope springs eternal, as they say. And those are the guys who are like, all right, like they're looking up at the first, second, third place team and they go, their teams are better than mine. And I go, but what if I can give you 
this vet that puts up points. Then they look at their team, they look at the vet, they look up at the standings and they go, you know what? This guy can bring me right to the top. And so that's what I try to do. I, I start in that like six, seven range and then kind of work my way up if deals don't get made. Hey, if I do deal with a first place team, that's fine. You know, I don't I don't care if I'm rebuilding. <laughs> I want to be, you know, I'm trying to shed these these old veteran points anyway. So if I can get a good deal from the first place team, that's that's fine too. But that's what I like to do because I think those teams are looking at it like, all right, I'm like in there or almost in there. This player could bring me, you know, instead of coming in and, you know, being the, you know, being the six seed, I could be the four seed or the three seed. And then anything can happen, right? That's what we always say when we get Anything can happen yeah. in the playoffs. So um, that's what I kind of do there. But this was a good question because it did, it did make me think of that, you know, kind of rebuild versus, uh, versus contender aspect of it. But on that note, Drew, we have a question for Drew. I'm going to read this since Drew is the resident Buffalo Bills fan. Question for Drew from Dynasty Scissor. Who's the real wide receiver two on the Buffalo Bills? Gabe Davis or Isaiah McKenzie? There is only one right answer. Drew, I hope you know what it is since it's your team. <laughs> but uh, let, it, let's get it your depends on, uh Depends on which metrics you're looking at here. Uh, target share. Um, your target percentage, it looks like McKenzie is outpacing. Routes run, Gabe Davis is running a lot. I think this last week highlighted that, right? A lot of routes run, but not a lot of targets for it. Um, but then we you drill down into the quality of the targets. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie actually has three touchdowns to Gabe Davis's one. However, uh, the value of the targets that Gabe Davis is getting uh, near or around the red zone, uh, it's hard to, to turn those down. So uh, for me, it... I'm, I want Gabe Davis in this. Um, if you're going to move Gabe Davis and get Isaiah McKenzie, hopefully you can get a little bit on top if you can build a case for it, uh, unless you're trading with Josh, who uh, you know is probably going to ask you to add a little something to Gabe Davis for his Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, hard to go wrong with either guy, and I don't think you're going to pay. I, I think people are maybe cooling on Gabe Davis a little bit. I know I was pretty excited after week one, thinking that maybe he was going to solidify that role. Uh, it, it's very fluid, and I think that's the beauty of the Bills' offense is whatever it takes to win. Um, McKenzie has certainly been getting uh, some of the targets, uh, especially after Davis was out for a week. So hard to argue with either one. But for me, I, I still think Gabe Davis has the edge here. All right, so Dynasty Scissor. Drew is speaking with his heart here, a lot of heart in what he says. He He's – Wanted Gabe Davis to be a thing because I have slandered the name of Gabe Davis on this show plenty of times. He wants him to be a thing. It's his Buffalo Bill. Isaiah McKenzie. He, he, he doesn't have excuses. Man's had to come up from nothing to be the wide receiver, too, on the Buffalo Bills. Gabe Davis is hurt. But Isaiah McKenzie's in concussion protocol. Here's a guy we might be talking about as the real wide receiver, too, at the end of this. Khalil Shakir. Jamison Crowder broke his ankle. Uh, that, that 
saddens me because I've loved Jamison Crowder for, you know, yeah. the 78 years that he's been in the league. Uh, each and every one of those years, I've loved James Crowder. It's unfortunate. But he's not going to be around for the rest of the season. So if the injuries keep piling up in the wide receiver room for the Buffalo Bills, we might be hearing a lot more of Khalil Shakir. And I, and I actually think Khalil Shakir is a good player. So this isn't just like, hey, process of elimination. Who's left? Oh, Khalil Shakir. He's the guy. Uh, I do think he's a talented player. But just keep an eye on him. You know, maybe now you want to be a little proactive. What's Khalil Shakir going to cost you? A third and a fourth? Maybe. Maybe. Third. Maybe somebody. Third. Third. I would start with a fourth and see. That's what someone probably paid for him in a draft. It was probably a fourth. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just like, cool. Khalil Shakir is like fifth on that depth chart before uh, Jameson Crowder got hurt. You could have him. I'll just reload this fourth for next year. But th- just a name to keep. And listen, if Gabe Davis comes back and um, Isaiah McKenzie um, just kind of breezes through the concussion protocol, Khalil Shakir is probably going to have his one or two targets a game, and that's going to be it, and it's not going to be fantasy relevant. But uh, here we go. See, that's why Dynasty Scissor is a genius. He's already got Khalil on the taxi squad. Um, get you some get you some Isaiah McKenzie, the true number two of that Bills offense, and, uh, and have yourself a day. But, it, Drew, this is kind of what I said earlier when I went through my top ten. It's really Stephon Diggs and everybody else. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who got a, who gets open? You know, we saw we saw week one. You know, there was just a, a a massive defensive failure. Gabe Davis was wide open, walks it in for a touchdown. Same thing happened to Isaiah McKenzie in the same in the same game. Defensive laps, wide open, walks it in for a touchdown. You know, so obviously those plays are going to happen, especially when you're playing the Bills and they're all at full strength. But yeah. um. You know, it's really Stephon Diggs and whoever else they line up on that specific play. But um, you know, that that's that's what I think. So Drew goes with with uh Gabe Davis. I'm gonna go with Isaiah McKenzie for life. I'm gonna go for the underdog, especially <laughs> when the uh when the overdog is overrated. And uh and we're gonna wow. do oh, I said it. I said what I said, Gabe Davis. Don't at me. Uh, so on that note, let's get out of here. Episode 150 in the books, Drew, it's been a blast doing this with you and the chat's been a blast, man. Uh, a a couple congratulations, which is always appreciated by Drew and I, uh, a lot of great questions. Dynasty scissor was like just running the chat, a bunch of great questions. Uh, I love it all. And just remember, we saw a lot of people coming in and out. If you're watching this on YouTube, even if you're catching us on the replay afterwards, uh, please subscribe to the DAP Network. There's always stuff going on. It's not just us. It's it's a lot of other great people doing great things. Um, and then remember to uh, hit the bell, too, so you know when all those great things are, are getting ready to happen. Uh, we'd also appreciate it if you hit a like on the, on the video. If you leave a comment, uh, like I said, as soon as this posts, I'm going to leave a comment with our uh, BetUS link so you guys can take advantage of that. Um, Listen, 
we know nine o'clock on a Wednesday, it's not for everybody. People have lives, families, jobs, sleep. Um, if you caught us on a podcast, thank you very much for listening all the way through an hour and 30 minutes. It's appreciated. Just remember if a friend referred us, if you just kind of fell into us, hit subscribe so that you can get us every week. Uh, rate and review if your podcast directory allows you to do that because that helps the show as well. And um, we love hearing what y'all have to say. You know, Josh, you're dumb and Drew's really smart. And I'd be like, yeah, I get it. Like, I totally understand that. Um, but, you know, everything, good and bad, all, you know, it all helps us get better. So, Drew, 150 episodes. Thank you very much. And let's get out of here so we can get ready for 151. Late. <laughs>